Today in the second part of the three-part series, we will be speaking again with Dr. Kathy Cook to discuss her best-selling books, Eight Great Smarts and Screens and Teens. You'll hear why Eight Great Smarts is one of my favorite out of all of her outstanding books. We all know that parenting is hard work and life can get busy. We've done the research to help you. So let's dig deep with Leanne Mancini and work together to help you raise strong Christian kids. Welcome back to the show, Dr. Cook. Do you like Dr. Kathy or Dr. Cook? I'm so happy to be here. Thanks, Leanne. I tend to go by Dr. Kathy because of the spelling of my last name. I like Dr. Kathy. I think it's Thank you. But today, I think, as I said, one of my favorite books is Eight Great Smarts. How can we discover how to guide and nurture our children based on their specific gifts and talents? Yeah, I appreciate the question because they are gifted uniquely and they're, they love it when we know them, right? They love it when we don't treat them like their brother or like their sister. So it means that we have to pay attention. We have to be intentional to get to know them, what, what turns them on and what ticks them off. What do they like and what do they dislike? We have to be with them. I think playing with them is one of the most powerful ways to get to know them and even how they learn well. Do they discover? Do they explore? Do they invent? Do they talk out loud all the time? Do they prefer to color? Do they prefer to build with blocks? Do they prefer to look out the window? How is it that they love to spend their time? We can be present to that. And of course, Leanne, you know, what's easy for them? And what challenges them? Those are legitimate things to look at. Not that we would be discouraged by the things that are hard for them, but that we would know what's easy so that we could maybe use that strength to help them compensate or overcome a challenge. And then I think, how do we help them discover gifts and talents? We let them try different things, right? Like one of the things I like to say is that if a child goes into a church nursery and always goes right to the glockenspiel, you know, or right to the handbells and, or, or at home is constantly making noise, that's a kid asking for piano lessons. Yes. <laughs> or that's a kid asking for mommy music and me at the Y, but doesn't know how to ask that question. So pay attention to what you see coming out of them, if you will, and then go in their direction. Don't always expect kids to come to you. Walk toward them and see what might be hiding under the surface. I love that. You know, Albert Einstein says play is the highest form of research. Yes. And it's, it's a window into your child especially a child who maybe cannot verbalize what they like or what their desires are, but you can watch their actions and determine what they like to do, as you said. So what is the best way children perceive and retain information? You know, the, the, this is going to frustrate people, but the best way that we perceive and retain information is the way that we've been designed to do it, right? And so it's different for each of us. And that can make, that can make frankly, teaching challenging and parenting you know, more exhausting. But as an example, one of the eight smarts is logic and logic smart children think with questions. So those of us, and I'm very logic smart, those of us who are logic smart, we perceive, learn and retain through the asking and answering of questions. One reason I love being on podcasts and especially yours, because you're so well prepared, is that even though I'm the one that's here as an expert and I've written the books, you will ask me questions that will stimulate new ideas or will remind me of an old idea that I haven't thought to verbalize in a very long time. Children who are more picture smart, those who think with their eyes, will perceive and retain information by describing it, by drawing it, by recreating it in their mind or on paper. Children who are nature smart will perceive and retain information when they discover the pattern in what they're looking at, because nature is based on patterns. 
so is the word saw and the word was. The number six and the number nine, there's a pattern there, right? A vertical flip. And so if you have a child who's more nature smart, you want to help them retain information by pointing out the pattern. And that's where this, that's why the smarts, or that's a reason the smarts can be really valuable, right? Because it does help us figure out how can I teach them well for success. I, I think the more we observe our children and pay attention to them, what their likes are, what their dislikes are, what they gravitate to, because they're going to gravitate towards something that either isn't easy for them or it becomes second nature to them and they enjoy it. And when we build upon that, we start at a baseline and we, and we build upon that baseline. So I like that. And the eight great smarts. I just love that book. Are there smarts related to other learning style parents might be familiar with, like being right-brained or left-brained or visual, auditory, or kinesthetic? Yes, right-brained and left-brained is an old-fashioned way of talking about the eight smarts. And I don't say that to insult anyone. It's language that, especially if you're a trained educator, you would have heard that language back in the day. But a lot of people now say that you're only right-brained if you don't have a left brain, and we all have a whole brain. And so it's kind of a false, a falsehood. Uh, so I'm in favor of talking about the eight smarts because it's practical and it's easier for children to have a handle on. Because you know what, Leanne, I want to empower children to be smart with their smarts. And so when a parent says, oh, look, you're logic smart, you're thinking with questions. The kid is like, what, mommy? Did you say I'm smart? Visual, auditory, and kinesthetic are modalities that help us remember information. So the eight smarts are how we learn. The modalities are how, is how we remember. So if you're visual by God's design, you remember the things you see. If you're auditory, you remember the things that you hear yourself say. And if you're kinesthetic, you remember best the things that you actually do. Now, body smart children think with movement and touch. If you're body smart and also kinesthetic, you remember what you do. You really have to do things like you are really going to be a kid who's hands on and is probably told all day, sit down, sit down, put that down. You don't need to be doing that right now. But actually, they do need to be doing that right now. Children who are word smart, like I'm word smart, so I think with words, if you're also auditory and you remember what you hear yourself say, then of course, you're going to talk out loud a lot and you might drive everybody in your home and everybody in your school nuts, But it is, which is why we have to have self-control. Then a visual would be, I remember what I see. If I'm picture smart and I think with my eyes and I'm also visual, I remember what I see, I will really prioritize seeing. But what I think is so interesting, Leanne, God is so generous. When God creates us in his image, he creates within us different channels through which we can be successful. Absolutely. Especially for parents that have one child who sits still and pays attention and the other one's bouncing off the chairs. And you write about studying all eight parts of the brain. Can you explain what you mean? So when we are being word smart, we can study by reading and writing. I'm having a variety of books, giving kids smelly magic markers and gel pens on black paper. Those kinds of things will stimulate the word smart part of the brain. Logic smart kids, as I just said a few minutes ago, study with questions and answers. So they love to research. They love to discover on their own. They may want you know, a concordance. They might want to watch a, um, a TED Talk and you know, go to, to a website to research something as well as talk to you about it, as well as read a book about it. They love to investigate, discover, and experiment. Uh, picture smart kids think with their eyes, so they're going to study by drawing. And so, if, for instance, if you're teaching children the difference between condominium, ranch-style home, farm, apartment building, 
let these kids very quickly in a minute or two sketch with one pencil what that building would look like. And that's going to help them retain the definition. Now, you know what, Leanne, all kids can do that and all kids will benefit. But the kids who are especially picture smart will benefit greatly from that. They love demonstrations. They love to watch people do things. So this is why mentoring and and modeling becomes so important. Music smart kids think with rhythms and melodies. So letting them sing and whistle and toe tap and, and let them turn pencils into drumsticks if there's nobody else there that's going to be irritated by that, can actually help them concentrate, allowing them to create jingles, to remember things. And you know what, Leanne, if I said spell Mississippi, I bet everybody listening would M-I-S-S-I-S-S-I-P-P-I or M-I cricket letter, cricket letter, you know, depending on where you were raised. But the point is that the rhythm and the melody will never be forgotten. Well, why don't we do that with more things? Why don't we put more things to rhythms and melodies? allowing children to learn math facts by clapping two plus two is four and letting them clap that out would be an example of a music smart because you're creating a rhythm and body smart, which is the fifth intelligence in my list. They're not in any order really, but body smart children think by moving and touching. So letting these kids clap, letting them walk out. If they're studying spelling words, letting them take a step for every letter in the word T E X A S. And they take five steps. Now they're taking a little spelling quiz with mom or with a teacher, and the, the next word is Texas, and under their desk quietly, because they don't want to disturb anyone, they move their feet, T-E, oh yeah, it's an X, it's not a K or an S, it's an X. And, and our body remembers things when we are body smart, demonstrations, dramas, hands-on manipulatives, body smart kids study well when their hands are busy. So letting them count things, letting them do sand in a dish if they're learning how to make their letters and their numbers. And then nature smart kids think with patterns. That's how you know it's a bluebird and not a blue jay. They love being outside. I think anytime that you can relate learning to nature, the nature smart children will be more motivated. And then um, the last two are people smart and self smart. Those of us who are people smart, we think with other people. So let these children talk with you. Let them tell you the three most important things that they learned by finishing the chapter. They love group work, friends, mentors, leading, teaching having those kinds of responsibilities with other people. And the exact opposite of that is the self-smart part of the brain. And this is the part that thinks with deep reflection in quiet inside. So to allow these children to be successful as studiers, you want to allow them privacy, space, time to process, an opportunity to come up with their own idea before you necessarily share a lot of your ideas with them. And also connecting topics to their personal lives. So, so that's a really quick overview. In the end, as you know, everybody has all eight. Absolutely. I have a niece who had, has trouble stuttering. And to help her, she would tap her hand on her leg when she spoke. That rhythmic pattern helped her to be able to speak more clearly. So screens and teens, you say that today's teens are stressed out, tired, tech addicted and overwhelmed. Why do you think so? And I can't agree with you more. Yeah, I I know that we're in agreement here. In fact, I can't imagine anyone listening who would disagree with us. So so I love your question, you know, why is it? And and I could, you know, as you know, we could talk for an hour on this. I'm gonna I'm gonna say three things. I think I'll say three things. We'll see. But the first one I want to say is that they're aware of the brokenness in the world. Leanne, when you and I were young, 
the world was falling apart, but we didn't know it to the same level that today's young people know it. We did not have Twitter. We did not have 24 hour a day, quote unquote, news. We did not have, you know, the headlines blaring to us, the email blasts, the text alerts. And so today's young people are aware of the brokenness. So one of the reasons that they're stressed, overwhelmed, is this idea that they're aware before they're developmentally ready to handle the, the challenge of the world. And then the other thing I would say, as you know, Leanne, I teach that technology causes a lot of people to believe that they have a right to happiness. You know, if the phone rings, they don't have to answer it. When I was a kid, if the phone rang, you had to answer it because you didn't, we didn't have an answering machine. So you know what, Leanne, they treat God like Amazon Prime, right? They pray and they want, they want him to answer it the way that they want it answered right now. And, and so it warps their perspective about who they are, who they have a right to be, and even who God is. That's where I think they become very overwhelmed and very dissatisfied, very discontent, very angry. And uh, technology is here to stay. This is why we work on character. This is why we work on character, because self-control, respect for others, gratefulness and joy, those kinds of attributes that are biblical fruit of the spirit will, will con- contrast right? This idea that we have a right to thinking these things. So they come to it naturally. No one who's listening to us needs to feel bad about giving a kid a device. It is what it is, but we don't need to let it continue. You know, it's teaching kids how not to engage in society as well. Recently, I read about some younger adults who have gone on to get a job, but their bosses are saying that they're not able to even look at the boss in the eye to have a conversation with them or with other members of the team. And they look really great on paper because of what they've accomplished, maybe with school. But in this face-to-face interaction, they're not able to do well. They're very shy, withdrawn, and always looking like they're looking at their phone every five minutes, even in the workplace with, with their new job. Right. They're distracted. They're self-centered. Exactly. It's, uh, and they want the boss's salary the first year out of college. Yeah. <laughs> um, because they're, you know, again, they're, they have learned to be entitled. Yeah, uh, And th- this is why you and I do what we do, because it doesn't need to be this way. Absolutely. Well, we're going to wrap up this session. And I've hope, I hope you listened to the last session, because that was outstanding. And we're going to have another one. And don't forget, we are having a wonderful giveaway of all of Dr. Kathy Cook's books. So follow us on Instagram. And our handle is Raising Christian Kids Podcast. And you'll find out how to win her books. And we'll also have a link in the show notes, too. Thank you, Dr. Cook. Thank you, Dr. Kathy. (laughs) Oh, thank you so much, Leanne. It's been great to be here. Looking forward to the next episode. Thank you for listening to this episode that is part of the Spark Media Network that can now be heard on the Edify app.